From Washington, this is Political Theater, Roll Call's review of the spectacle of politics on Capitol Hill and across the country. I'm Jason Dick. So much for August being a slow news month. So far, just this week, Paul Manafort, the former campaign chairman for Donald Trump's 2016 race, uh, has been convicted on eight counts of tax evasion and fraud. His personal lawyer, the president's personal lawyer uh, previously, Michael Cohen, pleaded guilty to eight counts, eight felony counts of conspiracy to uh, you know, hide wire transfers and, and money that was sent for uh, paying off uh, people that Donald Trump had allegedly slept with uh, and concealing that as part of the campaign. And then after that, this happened all within a, about a half hour of one another uh, this week on, t- on Tuesday, we found out that a sitting congressman was being indicted. Duncan Hunter, who is a Republican from the San Diego area, was indicted on charges uh, related to the misuse of campaign finance funds. We're going to talk uh, specifically about Duncan Hunter and his situation with Catherine Tully McManus, our uh, accountability reporter at Roll Call. She follows all the misdeeds uh, and and things of that nature on Congress. And Nathan Gonzalez, the Inside Elections publisher and Roll Call's elections analyst. Welcome to the show. It's great to be here. Second yeah. indictment in a month. <laughs> this is more exciting than Infrastructure Week. <laughs> it, was, it was so many Infrastructure Weeks. I mean, I think they just finally gave up. So, Catherine, let's play this out a little bit. Yesterday, we knew that uh, Cohen was going to be in court uh, pleading and uh, and we, we knew that the Manafort verdict would come down at some point. It came down within about a half hour, 45 minutes of one another. And then we heard about Duncan Hunter's indictment. Let's go through what happened with the, uh, um, the Republican from San Diego. Yes. So Duncan Hunter, along with his wife, Margaret, were indicted on charges of allegedly using $250,000 of campaign funds for personal expenses. And the personal expenses range widely from family vacations in Hawaii and Italy to dental work to even their kids' tuition was being paid with campaign funds. The federal government alleges that the campaign, you know, misuse goes, the campaign fund misuse goes back to 2009. This has been sort of playing out for a while about whether or not he was going to face, face some sort of uh, legal jeopardy over it, and then the indictment came down. But the detail that we're talking about, uh, the, the, the federal government has emails between him and his wife talking about how they should play it off. Like at one point, they're talking about the purchase of some shorts at a golf yeah. store, and, and the, the wife says... Uh, Well, we can just uh, say that we were buying golf balls for the Wounded Warriors Project, which is a charitable organization that seeks to help veterans who have returned, you know, with with grievous injuries to stateside after being in a theater of war. Yeah, and that is specifically very much under the microscope. Duncan Hunter is a member of the House Armed Services Committee. He himself is a combat veteran. He's a Marine, right? He is a Marine. He um, joined the Marines the day after 9-11. And also, he is the son of a former congressman and former chair of the House Armed Services Committee. So His namesake, Duncan Hunter. Duncan also. Hunter, right. yeah. They're both named Duncan Hunter. People are taking a close look at that. In addition to saying that certain expenses were either for wounded warriors or for meals with uh, supporters or meals with donors, etc., he also had some harsh words for the Navy. While on a family vacation to Italy being paid for by campaign funds, he and his wife were trying to 
make some kind of commitment while in Italy that would allow them to write this all off as a campaign expense. And they decided that a visit to a military installation would be just the thing. And when the Navy could not accommodate a visit for the family on the day that they specifically wanted, uh, Duncan Hunter said some rude things about the Navy. Uh, he used a, a, a term that uh, uh, was sort of an abbreviation for uh, for unlawful carnal knowledge, uh, F-U-C-K. Uh, he told his chief of staff, tell the Navy to go. You know, beep, 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 the entire so, Navy. Uh, and also what's significant, too, about this is that talking trash about the Navy, which, I mean, again, the Marines are a division of the Navy, uh, but also San Diego is arguably one of the most uh, Navy presence-heavy districts in the country. I mean, it's right up it's there a with Navy Norfolk. Town. Uh, it, it, is, it is a Navy town. So he could find himself on the wrong side of some of his constituents. Uh, now, Nathan, you uh, wrote a story we published on Roll Call just uh, recently about the race itself. Uh, this had been on your radar for a while. You have decided for the time being not to uh, change the race rating, which you had as a likely Republican. And one of the things that you uh, mentioned in this is that you know you, you, you learned a little bit from what happened from Representative Chris Collins, a New York Republican who was indicted low two weeks ago uh, on insider trading charges. He said that he was going to you know stay the course and seek re-election. You, you downgraded him from solid Republican to likely Republican, and then a few days later, he announced that he was resigning, um, and he, he wouldn't seek re-election. Tell us a little bit about your thinking about this race and where you see uh, Hunter and how much you know, so you're going to be paying uh, attention to it in the coming weeks. Yeah, even before Chris Collins, I, I learned, I've learned a couple lessons about members in legal trouble from uh, New York Republican Michael Grimm from a uh, very different part of New York who was indicted yeah. and won re-election uh, under, th- under, uh, under those circumstances. Uh, even bef- before him was a Democratic Congressman Bill Jefferson of Louisiana. Dollar bill. Who uh, <laughs> was, yeah, $90,000 bills uh, frozen in cash in his freezer that the FBI found. And yet he won his, uh, the initial re-election after that happened. He lost a, a subsequent one. So I guess I've learned as a political handicapper that even though the headlines are are amazing and the details are amazing to when it comes to handicapping a race to take a deep breath and and uh, let the dust settle a little bit. Uh, specific to Duncan Hunter, you know we well let's compare Collins and Hunter. We had we had Collins in solid. I feel like an indictment at least you need to be on the list of competitive races. So we added it to the list, our list as likely Republican. But with California 50, where Hunter represents, we had ar- we already had it as likely Republican. We'd already been watching it. A lot of these charges or these allegations had been have been public knowledge for quite some time. So we've been watching it. And I think we're gonna, just going to leave it there for now as a placeholder to wait and see uh, what sort of wait and see what happens. And maybe most importantly, how do the voters of the 50th Congressional District what do they think about this? Do some of them, does this change their mind about him? Do some Republicans stay home and not vote because they're disappointed? But this is a very, for, particularly for California, this is a very Republican district. The president got 55%, I believe. He got, he was in the 30s, low 30s statewide. Mm-hmm. So there's a, Democrats, this is not a, a given. Now, Catherine, uh, you've written also about his response. He and his father both uh, in, in San Diego, they responded to the charges. 
Um, his, his father said that uh, this was a political late hit. Uh, they, they both uh, took aim at the Justice Department. I think one of the big differences between the Collins case and the Duncan Hunter case is that Duncan Hunter was headed out fishing this morning with his father and a veterans group and made comments to a local uh, TV station in San Diego. This is the new Department of Justice. This is the, uh, the Democrats' arm of law enforcement. That, that's what's happening right now. And it's happening with Trump and it's happening with me and we're, we're going to fight through it and win and the people get to vote in no, November. So we'll see. Chris Collins was put under arrest um, and I think that could, has the potential to play very differently um, with voters. Uh, I think it's just a big differentiation. The other big differentiation is the money. Chris Collins, his charges were for insider trading and he has... all consistently been ranked in Roll Call's Wealth of Congress Index as one of the wealthiest members of Congress. Duncan Hunter's crimes or alleged crimes stem from the fact that he and his wife do not have cash on hand is what it seems. His financial disclosure forms have showed him having almost no financial assets at all over the last few years. And the expenses that were being paid with campaign money were things that that family could not afford if they were not dipping into campaign coffers. Uh, you know, international vacations, Hawaiian travel, and tons of eating out and drinking out, frankly. There were 30 shots purchased with campaign <laughs> funds at a Washington establishment. It was a rowdy and, fundraiser. And we know if they have money, it's not in their account because of 1,100 overdraft uh, instances of overdraft charges over the course of, I think, the seven years. Yeah, and the indictment mentioned specifically that they knew. They knew that they were in this these dire financial straits, and they were having conversations about how to cover up these payments with campaign funds. So things like discussing buying something at a pro shop so that they could write it off as golf balls for wounded warriors and having conversations about other ways to tweak uh, how they were labeling things in their Federal Elections Commission filings. And one of the things that did strike me when I was looking at the, you know, the indictment materials and the release from the Justice Department is that people think reasonably, I think, that, you know, oh, well, I mean, fundraisers always have booze in them or, or like there are plenty of establishments that, that Duncan Hunter free, frequented that other members of Congress would go to, whether it's Matchbox Pizza or Stoney's or, I mean, these, these are all places around town that it wouldn't be odd to see a member of Congress, uh, particularly a younger member of Congress, hanging out, maybe having, you know, like some sort of fundraising activity. But the the inclusion of the correspondence between him and his wife uh, that, that where they're discussing how to characterize these um, these expenses is, I think, one of the one of the things that like sort of sticks out in in the indictment and, and puts it into the, you know, like that the feds think that they can prove a conspiracy, actually. Yeah, at one point, the um, Duncan Hunter campaign got a new treasurer, and he was much tighter with the funds with the, for the family. And uh, there are quotations in the indictment saying, the last guy used to give us petty cash whenever we needed it. Um, and Yikes. that was a change of tune, but it did not stop the behavior, it seems. Yeah, but you know, the overall response that the congressman had about the this is a political motivation by the Justice Department, I mean, it, 
It might sound that might sound ridiculous to some people, but that's part of the reason why I think it's important to wait in declaring him, you know, dead in the water politically because it could resonate. I mean, these are Republicans who they, you know, some of them, uh, even though some of them uh, are loyal to the president, and they, they that's their philosophy right now uh, of government, and so I I think it could work. And when's the last time that seat was held by someone not named Hunter? It's another thing to consider. I don't think people remember right. the last you know, Yeah. Last time. Uh, let's talk a little bit about his Democratic opponent because there, at this point, there's also no way to get him off the ballot uh, and, unless – I mean in, unless he was he – had, he would have to die right. apparently. Yeah, Bridget – uh, our colleague Bridget Bowman wrote uh, in her roll call story about how, you know, New York, it's difficult to get off the ballot. In California, it's impossible unless you die and, and there are no write-in provisions. So, yes, Rep- Republicans are – are, are stuck with him uh, one way or the other. And his Democratic opponent? Uh, yeah, Amar Kampanajar, mm-hmm. um, a Latino Arab uh, American who, 29 years old, he held kind of had a low-level position with the Obama administration. You know, he got the state party endorsement before the primary, was not the choice of, of D.C., kind of the D.C. establishment who wanted a, a retired Navy SEAL named Josh Butner. Uh, but he won, but Kampanajar won the primary, and... Until now, the the excitement about the race had kind of diminished. I'd say Democrats are still a little bit muted in their excitement about the 50th district, but they are excited to make this an issue nationwide and try to find anyone that has a connection to Congressman Hunter who's mm-hmm. uh, taken money from him. I don't know how many people he's contributed to beyond his family, but or been in a photo with him, just anything to try to just pull this out and make this a larger narrative. Yeah, Nancy Pelosi's statement um, when the indictment came down talked about the widespread culture of uh, corruption within the Republican Party specifically. And people usually talk about that as the corruption of Washington, but she, you know, is obviously laying, laying the blame on the other side. And remember, 2006, Rahm Emanuel, the then chairman of the DCCC, came up with this uh, culture of corruption narrative. And it was kind of a genius slogan in that it just started to encapsulate anything a Republican did wrong got thrown under the umbrella, even if they were unrelated. I mean, what Chris Collins did, Duncan Hunter did, are are really unrelated, but it kind of gets, if it gets thrown in this bigger umbrella, it could be problematic for Republicans. Well, and I'll note one thing before signing off too is that there is another, there is a connection actually to Trump uh, with these with these two gentlemen, and, and that's that Chris Collins and Duncan Hunter both they were the first two to endorse Donald Trump for president. The first two members of Congress to endorse Donald Trump. Collins was first, Duncan Hunter was second, and now within two weeks of one another, they are uh, people of interest to the federal government. Do we know? Have we uh, have we identified who number three? Is? <laughs> That's an interesting question. Uh, Nathan, Catherine, thank you so much for uh, talking us through this this indictment. It's something that uh, will obviously, uh, you know, we're going to be following closely. See you for the next one. <laughs> uh, I'm Jason Dick. You can join us on this podcast by subscribing to it on iTunes, Stitcher, and on NPR One. Take a moment to rate us on iTunes. It helps uh, so we can get some feedback on that as well. And for this and other stories by Catherine and by Nathan, you can visit RollCall.com or you can find us on Twitter at RollCall. Thank you for listening. 